Hey everybody, Chris Lindsay here, and you're listening to Pitch List. We want to discover what makes creative people tick. Join us as we explore what it means to be a writer, and more importantly, what it means to be a person. Remember why you love music, and welcome to Pitch List. Hello, everybody. Chris Lindsay here. I'm excited to bring you a brand new episode of Pitch List. My interview today is with Swedish mega writer and producer Jorgen Elfsson. I met Jorgen several years ago when I traveled to Sweden to work on a couple projects. We had a great day together writing, and I was knocked out by his talent and his amazing understanding of the music business in general. I hope you agree. Here's Jorgen Elfsson. Well, talk about talk about that, Jorgen. So mm-hmm. you're saying that you see a change now in in the type of people, the business people, you mean, or yeah, just all I the mean, way I, around? I mean, a lot, really, because I think with the technology development and all those things that are great for us as writers have also made music simpler to make, you know, so so you. It also attracted other people in to feel like, okay, here we can we can make a buck in this business. We let, you know, I got a, you know, I'm, I have a smart mouth and, and you're pretty good and let's go, you know. So it's more like, it's it's it's, you know, how shall I say? You know, in the old days, it was all built by these great musician people or these great entrepreneurs that loved music. You know what I mean? Right. Like those who built all the big great record companies and things like that. I see much less of that today, and I I kind of miss that. I I see a lot of quicks in and out kind of things, you know, and and less mm-hmm. um, less you know person to person. It's it's very much you know emails here and and things there, but but very much less uh, the people connection. I feel so. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree, and I I think also we've probably witnessed the i don't know if it's the biggest change but a massive change in in the business model and the way it works and really the whole thing with yeah, streaming oh. and i mean it's a it's it's just been a, an incredible change and from when i started and i know when you started to now yeah. um and, and there are great things about it and then there are other things that that it's hard to uh it's really that i miss you know yeah well, you got the thing is that you, I, because I don't want to be one of those who sit there and complain, you know. Yes, I agree. But even even I though know. it's 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 hard, you know, so so I figured, okay, I have to figure this out somehow. And I think it took about two three years, and then I kind of, okay, now I kind of know what how to sort of be around this. And also the whole music have changed, you know. It's like the pop music formula is uh, out the door, and in came something based on. Uh, dance music instead and, and EDM music and they kind of have the formula for how a song is arranged today and all those kind of things it's it's really yep. interesting i mean it's like you say say uh, you were brilliant at football and you won the the, the world championship in uh, you know 97 and then suddenly uh, it's the new game and then oh we changed all the rules so now we have six players the field is just uh, you know, 15 times 20 meters and, and you can use the hands and everything is crazy. And, you know, it's like 
yeah. everything has changed. So imagine yeah. if, if you did that with football, for instance, it wouldn't be the same game. So that's, no, that's and it's time. difficult. Yeah, and you have to uh, you have to adapt, right? Absolutely, you have to adapt. It's the only way, and usually you you had to adapt to generations changing their you know taste in music and and every you know every now and then they, there was a big change but but now it's also all the other changes the uh, the technology changes and you know all the you know how you distribute the music and all those kind of things so so it's definitely interesting and big <laughs> you know yeah um what do you see in uh in Sweden and really Europe i mean your area over there what are the what's really popular now versus what it was 10 years ago? I would say what's what's happening now is because the music is a bit simpler to make, you know, it's you you, you can use, you know, you you get a you know download spice splice or whatever it's called and then uh, you add a few samples here and there and suddenly you have a hip hop song, you know. Which right. Sounds like a pop song. It doesn't really sound like a hip, but that's huge over here. Uh, say in Sweden, Scandinavia, the the biggest by far music, which is local, is hip hop from uh, the suburbs, uh, from you know, from the big cities. So that's totally taken over. Swedish hip hop. Yes, it's it's unbelievable, you know. Now, and, so uh, are they are they using like hip hop beats and then sort of pop instrumentation? Or? Absolutely, and it sounds really good as well, you know. Um, uh, there are. We, I mean, we've been wondering sometimes, you know, how, how is it possible to, you, you know, they don't have a record company, they don't have anything, and they're, they're number one on the charts. And of it course, is there, crazy. There are things you can do, but uh, it's unusual, and it's it's a total social media-driven phenomenon as well. You know, it's like. Yeah. So yeah, but that's really the dominant force right now in pop music here. Uh, and then you know the the other music is is a little sort of slacking after, uh, but and rock music forget about it. It has no chance, you know. <laughs> so it's it's basically hip hop and it's uh, also a bit of you know EDM. The rest is of the EDM as well, which has turned into something else. Yeah, EDM is is a strange <clears throat> genre because it's really been around. I was thinking the other. I'm asking you, but. I mean, I think EDM was around 25 years ago. You know, I would hear it. I remember going uh, on a couple. I was in Israel one time, mm-hmm. long time ago, and they were blasting sort of EDM type tracks in this market. And I, okay. I, I've, it, it's been around for a long, long time. It's sort of just grown, 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 and grown. Yeah, know? I mean, uh, what does EDM mean? I, I guess it's electronic dance music, right? Yeah. And it was big in the 80s, and it was big yep. in the 90s, and it was big. But I think maybe the shift was that DJs turned into artists, and suddenly we it was late yes. in EDM, and and it became it went from being how shall I say it became the mainstream. Before it was only really on the side of things, but it yep. was always there. It was always big, but it was on the side of things. And suddenly the DJs brought it into the mainstream and turned it into the dominant music force for for, for like I don't know five years, six seven years yeah and i guess also maybe uh since a lot of stuff maybe 10 years ago everything was geared toward working on the radio getting on the radio being a radio hit now with streaming um 
you know, here, I'm sure it's there too. There are lots of new artists who have huge sales and do great live shows and they are not being played on the radio whatsoever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you would never have seen that 10 years ago. And I think that part of it's good too, because there's really a lot of interesting music. Yeah, no, I agree. There's a, there's a lot of talented people now that makes music and, and music finds its own way, you know, like, uh, you know, it just finds its own way. It's, um, it's like a force and a little flood of water. It's, it's going to find, it's going to yeah. find its way, but, and if it's good, it's definitely going to find its way. Sometimes, you know, you, you have to wait a few years for anything to really happen. And sometimes it goes really quick, you know. I mean, this, uh, there's this girl from Australia, Tones and I, who's got this worldwide hit right now. It's like a phenomenon happening on, I guess, first on the social media front and first through the Internet and first through all these things and then into radio. You know, wow. you, know you know, you know what song I mean, right? No, I don't. What's it called again? Dance Monkey. I'll have to oh look my it God, up. It's, it's the biggest song right now in the world. <laughs> wow. OK, yeah. that shows you how to, I'm out of the loop. Hey, Dan, it, Dance Monkey. It, it, Dance Monkey, yeah, it's a it's a it's a very cool and interesting little tune. Uh, it's um it's a sort of a street musician girl, I, I think, you know, in, in Australia, who uh, wrote it herself, and it's sort of taken over the world. I think it's number seven in America right now. Okay, wow. On on Hot Hundred, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure my kids my kids would know oh, it. Oh, oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But there you go. It's very segregated now. It's very yes, it is. Lot there's a lot of different types of music and you don't really, they don't meet each other. <laughs> you know, you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. So that's, that's also interesting. And I think it's a little bit harder and I'm like you, I do not want to be negative and complain. I don't like that. Uh, yeah. But it seems a little bit harder now for the pure songwriter. Um, it seems like if like my, my kids are kind of getting into music and I'm advising them to play, write their music, perform it, sell it, you know, do everything. Yes. Because I think just being the pure songwriter is going to be a little more difficult in the future. I think. It probably will. Or the interesting thing that I noticed now is that you can do everything almost just sitting in a computer now and, and by the computer. And, and it doesn't really cost anything unless, you, you know, the price of a computer. But, but and then you can create all this stuff. All the music, it sounds fantastic. But when you can do that, the only thing that you really can't just buy is the song. So it's true. If, if we, uh, you know, as songwriters, we have to up the game of songwriting. You know, we can't just fall into the traps of filling in the gaps of tracks. You know, we have to really come up with interesting, fantastic songs with really good lyrics and things like that. And in the end, I think there's room for all. You know, I, I think great songs will always have a room, you know. And we'll, yes. we'll always have a place for it. And, and of course, with everything else as well. But I don't think you can take that out of the equation. But I, and I understand what you mean. You and I came from a time when, when you had to first learn an instrument and then you had to get some money and then for some friends to play with. And then you could go to the studio, maybe in the middle of the night because you couldn't afford more. And then you had all, it's like a long, you know, staircase of stuff you had to do before 
before you uh, entered into it, you know? Yes. Uh, today, you can just jump right in, you know? Yeah. I mean, all these kids that makes the, you know, the Swedish hip hop, they haven't, I mean, they're 15, 16 years old, you know, and they have their own companies and they, they do all those kind of things. But, but over here, Spotify is enormous, right? We right. don't have, we don't have uh, regular sales of records, really, unless maybe in a petrol station. Some greatest hits. Well, I, you know what? That's uh, we're, we're getting close. We're getting close in the U.S. Uh, yes. Spotify. I, know, huge... I noticed that. You know, you don't really uh, yeah. have to have. You don't really have to have that many records sold to get no. to number one. You know. No, that's. So that's tough. Sweden and Europe was on this way before America. Because this was actually, when you and I wrote a long time ago, this was beginning to happen in, in Europe um, yeah. with Spotify. But now uh, America has caught up. I would say, you know, no one's really, I think they might make CDs, but they sell them in truck stops. Maybe country music still has some CDs, but pop doesn't. It is, it's all streaming, Spotify yeah. or Apple music still big, I think, with younger kids. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know. But uh, I think it's absolutely transformed. It's changed here, too. Yes. That, and that's interesting, you know, because over here I see and I notice that music is sort of conforming to to the streaming platform, you know, because the song's getting shorter. The chorus right in the start of the song, the vocals sounding pretty much the same. You know, they all sound like Lana Del Rey, the chicks, and the guy sounds like Bieber or somebody else. And, and, and maybe, you know, it's, it's all like really sort of fast. They, they make music fast. And, uh, and it's conform, conforming into the streaming platform's rules. So, so the platform set the rules now, which is re it's really interesting, you know. It really and, is. It, it, and then, you know, you, you only, all we can do is just fly off. <laughs> yeah. Know? and adapt you know that's an interesting point i hadn't thought of it it's the format itself i i often think that like watching my kids who are now teenagers they grew up with youtube mm. but it, youtube and social media has driven sort of a, a short attention span yes but it's paul I, I hadn't really thought of the platform itself sort of conforming the songs that's a that's oh. a that's a great point yeah no i i think it's strange because uh, also, I think I don't know if this is true or it's just me making it up, but I think it's like you you have to play like a little bit more, like 15 seconds for a song to count as a full stream, right? Okay. So, so that's why you have to put all all things in the kitchen sink into the beginning of the song and have it make it sound really interesting so that you can make sure to get the people to listen you know, for 15 seconds, because you skip a lot in in Spotify, which is really interesting. You, you skip. And I do it as well. You know, I listen to, oh, here comes New Music Friday. I want to go through whatever is that. Do it, do it, do it, you know, and done, you know. Right. That's that's how, how we listen to it. You know, it's really fucked up because before you had to, you know, you bike your way into the, the record store and, and, and you, you know, you maybe or you hop on the bus, you know, it takes an hour to get in there, and then you sit there in a shop and listen carefully, you choose, you know, with the records, and wow, here's, and you read about the songs and the, and the artists and stuff like that. Nowadays, it's just skip, skip, skip. Because we yeah. have it. It's already there. It's just there, you know. 
That's another great theory. So you're saying that they're loading up the the top of the track, the front of the song with everything they've got to get you interested. Yeah. There's no development where you would do an intro and then sort of a slow build all the way to the second chorus. Mm. It's just they're hitting you right up front to get you on board. Yeah. Yes. I mean, these rules applied before as well. Like, you've got to have a great intro because, yep. you know, it's a memorable thing so that you remember the song and things like that. That's, of course, we had. But now it's like, all usually choruses are immediate. They're just right in there and then they chop it off. So it's like everything starts with the chorus. It, it, it didn't do that before. It was no. different. So, so that's just one way of how things are changing within the structures of, of songwriting as well, which is, you know, super interesting. And fun because I mean you keep up and keeps you young. <laughs> so yeah, do you find that um, how many there are what two or three big studios in Stockholm recording studios, or are there more? Uh, oh, there there are not many. I mean we have a, the Benny Anderson have a fantastic studio. The guy from yeah, ABBA. they're from ABBA. Yeah, yeah, he's he's got a huge studio. And then there's an old studio called Metronome. Uh, now it's called Atlantis. Uh, it's like a 50s studio, you know, still still working. It's fantastic. We recorded lots of records there. And and then maybe there is uh, something else. Uh, I, I think maybe Anders Bag's got some studio somewhere. But otherwise, it's like um, they're all uh, out of business, of course. You know. Yeah, that that's where I was going. I see that here, too. It's not as thriving business as it was no. No. because of computers. And you can make you can really. Uh, you can really make a great sounding record on a laptop. You oh, really can. You can. Nowadays, you can. I mean, yeah. for me, for me, being from where I came from, you know, I've always had the dream of a big studio. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I, I kind of built things and and carried around this big desk. But, uh, but in the end, I just sort of succumbed to the whole thing and I said, "Fuck it," you know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do like the kids now. So, I, so I, I got. You know, like a really small, but but actually, it's the best studio I ever had. It's really weird because um, because the I mean, all the plugins and all the you know the quality of everything has has come to to fruition. You know, it's everything is brilliant now. And I mean, in my computer, I have a fifty Polar Studios if I want to. You know, yeah, it's so crazy. You know, so yeah. Um, and then, you know, I see some of uh, my kids play and they're sort of anti plug in. So there may be a backlash to it all, too. I see some younger kids that's just around here who um, want to play real instruments, you know, and yeah, don't yeah. don't want those things. Um, it'll be interesting to see if it ever comes back like it was. Um, I, I think I think nothing will ever come back as it was because I agree. Does. But what what's going to probably happen is. Uh, something that I've been thinking about is that because you have the computers now and you have all these synthesizer plugins and, and you got all these different racks from all the times, I mean, you can blend everything, you know, everything we can reach. I think what makes great music has always been making great music is limitations, you know, like the band, you know, like you had the band on Hitsville, you know, uh, you know, in Motown. Yeah. Uh, where, where you had a few musicians and they made the sound because there was a limitation to the room. These were the guys, here are the instruments and this is what you can do. I mean, if you can do anything, 
it will also probably blend everything. And and if you have all the colors and you blend every color into it, what what it'll become gray and black and boring, you know. So I agree. So I, I think what's going to happen maybe is that there's going to be a movement that's going to want limitations in the stuff. And that's where live music comes in. Or you decide, I'm just going to use one synthesizer plugin. I'm going to use that thing. And I'm going to, you know, and, and try to figure out ways to create with less rather than with everything. So, I think that's, I think that's really smart. I've thought about that too, where you're um, having too many choices is not good. You, you need so. It's not because you, well, like even digital, the digital platform, it made, you know, with undo and multiple, multiple takes. Well, now you don't have to make a decision. You can just uh -huh. do 40 vocals, right? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, and before when they were on tape, which is a, a little, I, I record a little bit on tape in the very, very beginning. But, um, you know, with destructive recording, you had, you, it, it puts you in a different mindset when you do a performance, right? Oh, yeah put you in a different place when you have the ability to uh, re do it over, get rid of it, keep it, do it a million times. You're really yeah. not in that same headspace as when I'm going to punch into this vocal. And if I blow it, it's the, the other one's gone. Yeah. I think that's, there's something to true. what you're saying. And also uh, the, the, the room for those classic mistakes that turned into great hits. Yes. Yes. Are, are less and less possible. You know, uh, actually, something happened to me like uh, the day before yesterday or something. We, uh, I'm here writing uh, with uh, a colleague of mine from uh, Canada. Her name is Liz Rodriguez. Uh, we've done a, a few Celine songs together. But awesome. uh, anyway, she's really talented. And, and we wrote this song. And then I had my guitar in my lap. And I was just started to do And then I sort of touched it on my way back i think it was my bracelet or something hit the strings and it sounded so cool and we were like what what was that you know so i figured out so i started tapping in tapping the melody so i got that sound rather than trying to play it normally and that turned into this really cool sample that we used all through the the song and yeah small things like that is that's how i try to work today with very little shit on my computer, I have very little tracks and, and try to work around making the song as good as I can. But because I figured out, at least from my personal taste, that less sounds cooler and you can, you know, and it will sound more and bigger, you know, if you don't have that much information going on all the time. There's more room for melody and more room for whatever you want to do. Uh, if you have less on the computer, I uh, I agree. Uh, we have uh, me and me and a buddy of mine were studying some older Mutt Lang tracks the other mm. day, and uh, it's really interesting how sparse those were. You know, yeah. like there's just there's only two or three things going on at once, or maybe just two, and it really does give you a lot of room. You just have yeah. to do those things really well, you know, because yeah, yeah, they're yeah. because they're isolated. Yes. Having, I think having a lot of tracks and a lot of stuff going on at once can sort of cover up for things not working that well, but it doesn't really make it work better. No, and and uh, it's like I don't know. It's as songwriters also there. The whole songwriting thing have changed. You know, nowadays 
it feels like everything has to be done in a day. I mean, I know the whole Nashville situation and yeah. one strong in the morning and one in the afternoon and all that. Yeah. But, but that's also like really seasoned professional songwriters writing songs all the time. But but over here, pop music doesn't necessarily have to be like that. And it doesn't have to be like that in Nashville either. You can, have I don't, can write I, a song over yeah. two weeks, you know. I mean, I like to do that, but there's a sort of a fast thing. And, and I think uh, the criticism of Nashville as far as we're going to write for three hours and that's it, um, or four, I mean, I, I don't mind a shorter writing session, but I think Nashville... Uh, I think that bam, bam, bam thing is not that great. I think every song could get better. I think things would be more relaxed if you took a couple of days. I'm not sure why we do it that way here. I'm really not. I think because maybe it's, it's because it's like a, it, Nashville is such a such a place for music, and it's like a, a music factory city, you know, that type yeah, of thing. And, yeah. and maybe that's just like Spotify, you know, how music conforms to the streaming maybe writing conforms to to the industry and uh, and their needs and this that's what it becomes because we're all i guess we're alive you know so 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 we will like water you know just find our way in that system you know mm -hmm. i think so i mean i don't know if it makes sense but if if you're if you are in say if i move to nashville and maybe, you know, in five years, I will do what the Nashvillians do, <laughs> you know? No, I, will, I, I will, yeah. I will be yeah. more like that, you know what, right? Or like if I go to L.A., uh, I'll, 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 I'll make music like they make it in L.A., you know, that type of thing. So, so I think, I think it's the industry that make us, or the writers, or the producers, or everybody. That's, we work because the industry is what it is, that type of thing. Yeah, I think that's really smart. I think you're right. So I've got to, I've been trying to form this question in my mind, but I've I've always wanted to ask. So I'm going to ask, and I'm it may take me a second to get this question out. But mm -hmm. there seems to be in the last thirty or forty years, you know, sort of concentration in Sweden of a type of pop music, and I think it started with ABBA, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe to me, being an American, I'm sure there were bands before them. Mm -hmm. um, there seems to be a pop style that comes from your place that everyone in the world loves. And I, mm. and I've al always wondered where you think the roots of that were, you know, and like, because there've been so many like really great, I mean, great pop writers from Sweden, mm. you know, do you, it's do you, have you ever thought about that? Like oh, why, yeah. Yeah. why, why is that? Is it cultural or is it, there, I think there are a few answers to that question. First of all, we, if, if we stay within the music and, and the style of pop music, uh, we have through, you know, way down in the 1800s and stuff like that, we have always had these like psalm and hymns and, and folk music and things like that is always in Sweden and Scandinavia been very uh, melody driven. We don't have any rhythmic sort of culture, really, right. in no. that sense, like uh, uh, that comes from uh, America or, or Africa or somewhere else in the world. You know, we are very melody driven. We're kind of related to, say, the Irish, you know, or yeah, yep. that's very it's, it's very similar Irish and Swedish and Irish sort of went over 
and has a part of the country music, I guess, without me being absolutely nuts. But there is a bit of that in there. Oh, there is. Yes. Uh, sort of, you know, because of people movements and stuff like that. But but in Sweden, it was always very melodic and very uh, to the point, sort of, uh, you know, simple so that people could sing along in the church or whatever. And, and then uh, I think sometime in, uh, I should say, maybe in the 60s, I think it was, and, and 70s and 80s, the state decided that everybody should be able to play music. So they they uh, supported it. And in, in the all every city has musical schools and we learned it in school and it was all free. And, uh, you know, everybody had to go. And so uh, that type of thing did help to bring a lot of people into music. Uh, me, I didn't want to do it because they forced you to play the recorder. Right. So in front of the class, in the first class, you know, and I didn't want to stand there and look stupid and play really bad. So I was like, I, I didn't make any music until I was 16 years, even though I obviously had some music in me. But another reason, I think, is um, that a lot of great music from America, from the UK and from other places in the world was translated here turned into Swedish hit songs and, and and by for instance Stig Anderson Stig Anderson who formed ABBA who was part of uh, forming that thing he's a great he was a great songwriter there manager and he I mean he wrote probably a thousand or more songs uh, li Swedish lyrics to you know famous uh, big songs um, so so you have that thing we 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 heard a lot of great music from outside so I okay. Think that blended with our stuff and what we wanted to do. Uh, there are a few other reasons as well. I think one of the reasons why you see so many Swedish songwriters out there, I think, is because uh, not because of necessarily ABBA and and Roxette and Europe and there there's been a few really big acts, but I think really it was the Dennis Pop and the Sharon Studio where I was part of. You know. And yeah. you had Max Martin there and you had Andreas Carlson there and you had, a, you know, a bunch of other people who were like 10 people. And that studio became so famous, especially for the songs we did, you know, with the Backstreet and the Britneys and everything. And that I think what happened there was that suddenly American record companies wanted to work with Swedish writers and producers. And that was the big shift. And then, of course, we're we're a small country, very willing to adapt. So we were just running for it, you know. Uh, so there was no no contest. We just went for it, you know. And I think me and and my colleagues had, you know, in the late '90s, big success. It became like a bit of a, like a Bjorn Borg uh, thing, you know, like oh, he can make it, we can do it, you know, that type of thing. And that made a lot of people in come into music and go for it. And I think that's what we see now. I'm not saying, you know, but I think that was the, the crucial moment was the Sharon Studio thing with Dennis Pope and his dreams. Thanks for listening, everybody. Pitch List will be right back. And so, because when you joined Sharon, you 
you started working on Britney Spears, Backstreet yeah, Boys, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I, uh, I, I, Westlife. Yeah, I just, you yeah. did all that Westlife stuff. Um, yeah. What else? There were tons of uh, Europe acts. I mean, that oh, was yeah. the biggest pop music in. That was the biggest music in the world for for several years there, and so they were bringing you artists too, right? Oh yeah, 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 for sure. And and it was a bit like a little bit of a Motown. I th I think really it was maybe maybe it was the last sort of sound there was because it had a specific sound. Yeah, you know, then everybody moved with Danny's ideas and 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 the sound that he had sort of built. Max took, Christian, Andreas took, Perrin, David took it. That the guy, you know, so everybody uh, sort of used the sounds and made it theirs. You know, did whatever they did with that sound. So so we had a clear sound in that group, which, and then all those songs came and it had that interesting, funny sound that first maybe you. Ooh, what's this? Blah, you know, but then right. it was so infectious, so it just won everything over. You know, that was cool. And then, of course, this married with, you know, Jive and and Zomba and all their groups and, you know, and Britney and Backstreet and and In Sync and all that, just just made a perfect combination for something to really explode. Yeah, it was it was a an era or a movement like a Motown or mm -hmm. Mus Muscle Shoals down in yeah, Alabama really, got really like had, that. Uh, yeah, it really you know, had a sound. Where every, where the, where every, uh, where sort of the center of the musical universe. Mm. Yeah, um, and it was a fantastic time to be, I mean, I had dreamt of something like that for, I don't know, tw more than 20 years before it happened to me. And, and it was strange because I was like, Almost over the hill <laughs> when I when I had my first big hits. I was like 40 years or something almost. So that was like, uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I did everything before then. I was my own artist. I wrote, you know, I made albums and I almost made it in Sweden and all those kind of things. I actually gave up as well <laughs> in, uh, I don't know, when was that? 92. I sort of put music on the shelf and went back to school <laughs> things like that wow really let's talk yeah. about that i didn't yeah, know no, that it was a crazy because I, mean, I, I, I i i've been around for quite a quite a long time and, and 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 i started making music in 78 where um, which is also really weird because what really got me into music i wanted to be alex lifeson in rush you know that that type of thing yeah. i went really into that uh, type of music and and that brought me into music so and i wanted to be a guitar hero from the beginning <laughs> but uh, uh that it didn't happen uh, this happened instead <laughs> and I'm, i mean i'm not sad at all but um the thing was that happened was like i i i did music and i i did that whole staircase that you had to walk then you know and i finally ended up doing solo records Two of them. I was signed by CBS here in Sweden, and uh, I had an artist name. I was called Shane, you know. Yep, I saw that. I was doing some research last night. I didn't. I had, like we had talked about, we did work together one time, and I knew a lot about you, but I didn't know that. So you signed. Mm -hmm. You signed at a young age, right? Or you oh, started well, your first band at sixteen? Yeah. No. Uh, uh, yeah. Actually, I that was like you know the the shit bands of my life, but. 
but uh, that's how you grow. But by my real, I signed the first time. Well, my first single I recorded in 1980, I think. Mm-hmm. But the the, the the first real record was in 87, 88, 89. Um, that's when I, I, I got signed by CBS. So then I had my time and I, I almost, you know, I, you know, I had my musical career and it was okay. That was cool. And then, you know, after that in 92, I was like, I was so tired and I sort of burnt out. So I was like, oh, fuck this. I have to do something else and nothing happened, you know. And so, okay, I, I went to school. So we can do that. We have something called grown up school in Sweden. You know, you can, you can, you can go to school and the state supports that, you know. And um, I don't know. I, I just had a two-year education in one year kind of thing. Sort of like a retraining type yes, of program? Yes, it, it was more like just a sort of a nothing specific, just, you know, different, you know, Swedish, English, math, you know, whatever. I didn't really know what to do, but I felt that was the right thing to do. Funny enough, though, there was this girl that I, I studied German together with, and um, she brought me this book, and it was like one of those, you know, rethink with your head kind of books you know mm-hmm. you know and i suddenly realized what what i have done wrong and i started using the principles of the book and fuck things started happening you know i ended up in a studio i started making jingles and and uh, and there i met this strange guy from england uh, and we started making music together and suddenly uh, you know everybody wanted to sign that music and we ended up being signed in stockholm with uh, by a guy named peter swartling who had just had big success with Robin, you know, the Swedish artist Robin in love America. Her. Yeah. Love yeah, she's great. Show me love, you know, do you know what it takes and things like that. She had big hits with that and he signed us and he was really hot. And this is strange. These things are just happening and I'm not like trying at all. <laughs> and then we ended up at the Sharon studio in 95 uh, being produced there by two guys. So that's how I came to Sharon. And Dennis Pop, uh, and I, you know, that's where I met Max. Max came in as well, being a singer in a rock band. <laughs> right, he was a rock guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a yeah. rock guy, and I was a pop guy. So, so we, they, all us writers. Andreas Carlson was also an artist that was signed actually by Peter Swartling as well, who, who then got uh, to come into Sharon and work as a songwriter with the producers there. So, so, so that's how I ended up there, and that was. It was a crazy little journey, but I was like more like surfing, you know. I felt, wow, this, I don't want to stop this. I, I kept on doing whatever I did and surfed away until stopped <laughs> sort of almost. But that's how uh, how I did it in, in that sense. You know, I, I tried so hard on the first time and then being an artist and all those kind of things. So I got that out of my system. And then I, I thought, wow, I want to be a writer. And the first thing that happened was, Actually, the biggest Swedish artist recorded one of my songs. So that's how I became this professional writer. Wow. You know, and I've done uh, a lot of podcasts now, and this story comes up a lot of this idea, and it actually happened in my life also, um, where you sort of give up and let go and mm-hmm. quit caring, and then all of a sudden things start working. Yes. I've heard that. I've had that happen in my life, and I've heard your story. I've heard it probably... Hmm seven or eight writers that I know where they just couldn't make it happen and they finally just sort of gave up or said screw it and started writing this crazy stuff that was never going to work. Yeah. 
and then that worked. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting that you hear that story a lot. What? Um, I'm, now you got me curious about the book the girl gave you. Do you remember oh, what it's called? It's, it's a Swedish book. Uh, so it's, it's like, if I translate it, it's called Imagine Yourself a Better Life. Oh, kind of see it, be it thing. Yes, that type of thing. It was a sort of um, a story from this woman and her story, but it was very interesting, and I kind of figured it out. I think the thing is that you have to get out of your own way. And, and yeah. you know, we, there is much bigger things involved in our lives than just ourselves, you know? And I yes. think we, we can't see and, and know everything. But when we have this dream that we want to make it and we, we go for something and maybe, you know, from where we, we came early on, you know, like in the 70s, 80s and stuff, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be a songwriter, Woo! you know? Right. That, that didn't really exist in that sense, unless you were in Nashville or, or Detroit or somewhere, you know, L.A. But over here, no way. We didn't have that culture here. That's something that came after the Sharon explosion of, of our music. Then other people felt, oh, I can become a songwriter. And then that became a profession here. But before it wasn't a profession. It was more like, you know, famous artists wrote for other artists or... Uh, there was, you know, uh, I mean, I know ABBA, the ABBA guys were working with other artists and stuff like that, but it was very small, very small. Right. Um, unless, uh, you know, so it wasn't really a profession like it is now. Nowadays, p kids can quit school and go straight into music and they mm -hmm. fly off to L.A. like a year after and run around and, and do the thing, you know. So so that that's how it's done today. Wow. Yeah, that that would be like I grew up in Texas and there was no music business, no culture, no nothing, no song, right? None of that. Mm -hmm. it, but it would be as if uh, some, you know, musical explosion happened right there. It would be. Yeah. the Yeah. And Nashville is a town, like you said, it's just been doing they've that's been going on here so long. It's just part of the DNA of the city, really. Yes. I've got another question for you. It just occurred to me this. Um, I, I never could figure this out. How do you think that you got so good at English lyrics? English. Because oh. it's a second language for you. Yes. And and you're so great at it. Thank I can't you. imagine. I mean, if I think of all the great writer, writers I know that are American, them, you know, any, any of them trying to work in a second language, I mean, it would be almost impossible. How do you do that? Hey, uh... It's like, uh, first of all, I think it's something uh, I focused on when I listen to stuff and, and I pick things up. But early on, I mean, uh, we have er English early on in the school, so we learn, we learn, we learn. But then there's something else that we have in Sweden. We don't dub, uh, you know, overdub uh, the TV shows or, or the movies from America and, and stuff like that. Say in Germany, everything is overdubbed by German actors. We don't do that in Sweden. We have uh, um, subtitles instead. And that's been very, very, very helpful to figure out the language. Mm -hmm. You know, you sit there and watch great movies. You, what, what do you really get from a great movie? You get a brilliant script. People right. have really put effort into writing great stuff. That's what's been coming in, you know. And then we have all this influx of great music coming, you know, and all everything. And then we're a small country. 
So we listen and we are very interesting in, interested in what happens outside. And for us to survive, we have to learn English, you know. But then there's something else with me which is weird. And and hey, <laughs> you could you could you could believe it or not. But I mean, for me, when I write lyrics, I get chunks of lyrics at the same time. And I, I, I can't tell you where it comes from. Uh, it's like I because I don't think them out. It just I understand. It just shows up. It pops in it long, you know, what is this? You know, I can't figure it out. It just comes. And then I, I was, this was in, I don't know, maybe two, 2006, seven. I was sort of in one of my uh, almost running into a wall situation. So I was really tired. So I had this healer girl that came in. Uh, she did Reiki healing. You know that? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. an interesting thing. You know, you can, I have an open mind. So, I mean, I, I, I don't care. I just do things. Is that the deal where they sort of push your pressure points? Uh, not really. Or is it they, a different they thing? They don't really touch you. It's like, more like... Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, okay. All right. Yeah, a little bit around the body. But then this, this woman who did this, she said, I'm psychic. I hear and see things. Do you want to know? She said. And I said, <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> you know, and, and, and then she started telling me things about me in my life and and I, wow, she was really close, you know, and there was a lot of things going on and I really liked her. But then she said one thing. Do you know, you have a woman that writes songs with you on the other side. And I was like, what? Yes, as a woman, I see her. She's about 60 years old and she's smiling and she writes songs with you. <laughs> and that's Wow. It. But that explains why I get these chunks of lyrics <laughs> that... It's like, thank you. Unfortunately, I can't put you up on, on the, you know, on the credits, but thanks a lot anyway. But it, but anyway, you, you can never know. I don't know. I mean, I don't, you know, I've just, I have an open mind, but it was an well, interesting take. I love that take. And, you know, as crazy as it sounds, anybody who's done this for a while will tell you anything you're working on that, that is really inspired and really great, you do... I think most of us feel like it's coming down from it's coming from somewhere yes, else. Yes, that's everybody. Everybody knows yeah. that. Yeah. It's not like I've I say it all the time. I'm not a good enough writer to have written some of the songs that I was a part of because they, <laughs> you know what that's I mean. Very they, <laughs> well, no, but really, I mean. No, but I know I know what you mean. You know what I mean. It's like I mean I can write a song, but I'm just saying there is there is this other thing that happens where if you receive it if you're open to it yeah. it sort of just comes in you know yes yeah yeah and that's as good an explanation as anyone really yeah i, I like it's, it it's fu it's funny because uh, it was this person who said that and and she named her as well her name was maggie so wow. um, yeah it was like i i've been thinking about that from time to time and you know it's it's strange because as you say Sometimes songwriting is really hard work. You know, sometimes yes. you, you, you grind it and grind it and you sit with the wrong people and get a headache and whatever and whatnot, you know. But then there are these moments, either when you, usually when there's a person that you really like and, and things like that, and you know, it's just, it just happens, you know. It's like the songs just fall from the sky. And it's yeah. like you, it's like you have to run quickly and pick up as many things as you possibly can because it's, it's like a download of information and it comes from somewhere and you can't, I can't tell where it comes from, but personally, I know 
I receive because I'm not creating at that moment. And then the creation is more like the, the job is to to take out in the real world what you hear inside of yourself. That's the big job, because usually when say when when you had played your guitar for two years or whatever and, and um, you heard a song in your head, you couldn't take it out in the real world because it sounded like shit. So 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 you so you had to learn all the skills of how to take it out into the real world. You know what I right. mean? Yes. So, so so that that's basically the job. If if the songwriting session is an inspired one, it's all about receiving and and putting it out in the real world, as I, as unscathed as possible. From you know, it's from, really true. I heard a uh, great story one time. It's short. I'll tell it. But um, and I think it's probably true. It sounds true. Um, somebody told me one time, Michael Jackson. This is a little bit later in his career he was uh staying up all night for like three or four nights and yeah. the people his handler his people around him were worried he was going to get sick you know it's, it's not healthy to not go to sleep and they're telling him michael you have got to go to bed you haven't slept in three nights and he said to them god is raining songs and if i go to sleep prince is going to get them all tonight <laughs> and he was dead serious it was not like a, he was serious like yeah. it's raining songs and uh i'm not going to sleep until it stops hmm. because if i if i don't get them somebody else will because they, other people know it's raining songs too yeah no i agree yeah. i agree and it's really interesting that sometimes i wrote that song but then i hear it from somebody else it's almost the same it's like we got the same and uh, and they managed to get it out before me. <laughs> that yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's also interesting because people around us, you know, they they wow, they wonder how can you do this music from nowhere and shit. But basically, everyone does this, you know, all mm -hmm. people in the world. But it's more like you call brilliant ideas, you know. You can okay, right. I'm gonna go down uh, to and buy milk because I need it, you know, whatever. It's some something that speaks to you. And, and uh, you know, like you can be an inventor finding a great idea it has nothing to do with songwriting, but it's 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 sort of brilliant moments. There there are these moments that that give you things. I, I'll tell you about one of those crazy moments. It's not really music, but it's uh, this is a few years ago. I was uh, staying over at my mom's house where she she lived uh, and. In the, mo in the morning, I was like in between sleeping and awake, you know, mm -hmm. suddenly there was this, this story that was went on and on and on and on and just went on. And suddenly I realized I have to go and, and write this down. And it's like a whole story was downloaded into my head. <laughs> it's like a book or a movie from beginning to end was a total download. Boom. It was there. And I cannot explain where it came from. I'm not working on it, by the way, but uh, I'm not a writer in that sense. So I had to find somebody I could work it, you know, write it with who is a writer. So so we're working on that now. It's a really interesting thing. But that I got a complete story, you know, <laughs> I don't know where these things. Come yeah, from. it's crazy. No, yeah. I I believe it. And it and it um, it's probably a great story. Well, I who think. All, yeah. <laughs> Also, I think our subconscious minds are very deep and very powerful and mm -hmm. also very mysterious. And a lot of things, you know, can come from that, too. You know yeah, what I mean? From absolutely. 
the parts of us that we're not aware of. A hundred percent. And it's, it's, it's the same, you know, when you when you're in a band and, and, and you play and you improvise and on all those kind of things, sometimes you it can feel like you're. Your your fingers are are moving, but you're not moving them. Yes. You know? Something else is playing through you. It's like you can speak, and you can suddenly be almost like you're somebody else is talking through you. It's like yeah. all those kind of things, and we find them in songwriting as well. And it's it's fantastic when it happens for sure. Yeah, I've always thought that thing because I've noticed um, a friend of mine brought a. Uh, just an unbelievable Gibson Hummingbird, like one of the best ones ever. I don't know. He's a guitar collector. Mm. And I played this acoustic guitar, and I was instantly a better player on that guitar. You know, mm. I started playing stuff that was way over my ability level. Mm. And uh, I think there is a way to get inspired that gets you above your normal abilities. And I think that's all stuff that's in the – where I was headed was it's all stuff that's in the spiritual world. And – it's it's hard for maybe an outsider to look in and maybe for us to explain what happens, but there are moments in our our profession and you know when I work that that I actually don't know what happens. You know what's right. going on. Uh, I, I mean sometimes I'm moved by my own music. I start crying. You know what what is mm. going on here? There is like why am I feeling this way with this song? You know. Yeah. It's uh, it's just interesting how what's what's at play what what's going on really around us you know when we do these kind of things well but is. this is deep this is a very deep discussion <laughs> this is well and you know what that's what fun. we do that's what we do on our podcast i love talking to you because you know you're a master you're a master at this craft you're a an artist and a poet and you um you know you have great insight into uh, into uh, our business well, hey, let, let me ask you about one other thing before we wrap yeah. up, because I thought it was so cool. Uh, I read it somewhere back a while back. But uh, so you wrote the song for a royal wedding yes. in Sweden a while back, right? Yes, yes. Can you tell us about that? That sounds was it fun? <laughs> it was great fun. It was scary. It, it was an interesting thing. I had written a few years earlier together with a guy named John Reed. Uh, um a song for um, Westlife. It was called yeah. Unbra Unbreakable. And somehow that song was it became a hit here in Europe. And um, that song, when our crown, crown princess met her husband-to-be, he, he was a gym owner. <laughs> this is interesting. And um, his name is Daniel. And he... And her, they 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 sort of turned that song into their song, and um, and and sort of um, you know was yeah you, you can call it their song <laughs> that type of right. thing. But anyway, they really loved that one. So when it was time for them to you know tie the knot and and things like that, before they um, got engaged, you know, because everything is so official, right? So before they got engaged, um, uh, Daniel gave me a call uh, because he he uh, found out where I was and and he was you know daring to call. So so he did that and and we had a chat and uh, then we met up and he talked and explained about what he wanted to do. He wanted to give his wife to be a 
you know, like a song, like a, a, a surprise kind of thing, you know. And I thought, wow, that's beautiful, you know. And, uh, and then he talked about, their, you know, how they felt about each other and things like that. And, and I said, OK, I'll, I'll think about this. Uh, let's speak uh, further on, you know, and see if it's still on. And then I think this was like after like five months or so, the official engagement was happening and it was a big deal. And I was like, wow, so it's happening now. <laughs> and uh, then I was, um, I called him up actually, and I asked him if, if it was still on, if, if they still wanted to do it and if he still wanted to do that thing. But then I also thought about the whole thing and I felt, you know, maybe it's not a good thing to make it a surprise. Maybe she doesn't like the song, you know, <laughs> things like that. So, so I thought maybe you should bring her on board, you know, so that you both will hear it and, and, and talk about it. And then he thought, oh, that's a great idea. And this was uh, in the in the fall. Uh, this was in the spring somewhere. And um, and then. Funnily enough, I, I this is August 2009. I'm I'm on the gym <laughs> on, on the cross trainer. And suddenly, just like we talked about before, this chorus just pops into my head, the whole thing. And I'm like, I just I had like half an hour left on the stair climb, you know, on this, you know, cross trainer. So I felt, well, wow, I, I kept repeating and repeating and repeating the song and the chorus just so I wouldn't forget it, you know. And I was training because I didn't want to not train. And then I went off and I went home and uh, just put the idea down. And then, yeah. And, and then I had a meeting with them and they thought, they were just going to talk to me about the music. They didn't know they were going to come and listen to the song. So, so I had had it all prepared. I put down their, you know, the lyric sheets, and I <laughs> put some candles on in the studio, and it was really fun. So I had a crown princess came to my house. Actually, it was quite crazy, and uh, so. But anyway, it was a it's a good story, and uh, they loved the song, and and. Uh, and the song was meant to be like before the wedding, you know, like mm -hmm. as of some sort of a thing to commemorate the wedding. But instead, he called me up and said, I have a good news, one good news and one bad news. You know, what do you want to hear? Well, just wrap it up. OK, so he said, well, the good news is we love the song so much. We're going to have it in the church. So so they made it a part of their wedding in the church, which was unbelievable. But then the bad news is, then we can't talk about it, you know, before. So the only time really that it was promoted was in the church when, but on the other hand, everybody was watching at the TV, you know, there's sure. like five, five, six million people in Sweden watching. And, and then it was like a hundred million people or somewhere out there watching. And the funny thing is that, you know, nobody knew. So and we had, uh, I put um, a famous Swedish singer, Björn Schiffs. I don't know if you know who he is. I don't. Björn, but... Björn Schiffs, he, he actually had a US number one. And you know the song because it's hooked on a feeling. You know, oh, Uga wow, yeah. Uga Chaka, you yeah. know Uga, Uga. Oh, that was called uh, Blue, what was the band? Blue, Blue Sweet. Blue yeah, Sweet, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the singer there. So he's, I wanted him there. And then I had this girl, Agnes who had a big hit with a song called Release Me. And so, so she, and that was like a number one on the US dance chart. So I, I mm -hmm. thought it was a really fun 
combination of those two, and they they did the duet in in the in the church. And I, I bet you know five thousand people, five million people, sorry, cried <laughs> that day in Sweden. So it was super beautiful. I don't know if you've seen it, but you, it's on the YouTube if you want to check it out. Yep, I'm going to check it out. I have not seen it. Um, oh, and- it's, it's called "When You Tell the World Your Mind," the song. When you, okay. Uh, and so if you print it in and you say Bjorn and Agnes on it as well, you, you, you'll find it. And it's such a pretty moment, and they're so beautiful. This the couple and it's just it's going to be forever there in in print yeah well and that's a i mean in your country that's as big as it gets right it sounds like the entire country watched the wedding right yes i mean it was like really ground it's huge yeah it's huge super weird you know it's like the whole city of stockholm was totally empty there was nobody there it was all empty and everybody was looking at this uh, and there was a few people outside the, the, the castle, and then there was people around the church. We were in the church. I was actually there in the church with my wife as well. So they invited us, and it was, That's so it was a fantastic thing, you know, to be part oh, of. Oh, yeah. It doesn't get any better than that. Well, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go, but it was so great to get to talk to you, man. Thank well, you thank for doing you. this for us. Um, same, same, for, same to you. It was great fun chatting uh, with you again. I really... Um, I know that our listeners are going to love to hear what your 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 take and and get to share in your career. Um, and we even as funny as it sounds, I have um, there are people in Sweden. There's a few that download the podcast, mm-hmm. so there's some some people there that do. Um, yeah. So man, I'm gonna wrap it up, and I just wanted to thank you again for your time. Well, thank, thank you, you for doing this. Well, this was fun. This was fun. It's great talking to you, and uh, I should come see you guys in Nashville. Sure. You should. <laughs> cool, man. Let's take over okay. the world. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> okay, man. Have a great well, day. Thank you. Okay, you bye. Later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pitch List. To hear songs written and or recorded by today's guest, check out this week's playlist by finding us on Spotify at Pitch List Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your preferred listening platform. And if you want, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review. We also want to know what songwriters, artists, or music business professionals you want to hear from next. Let us know by visiting our website at pitchlistpodcast.com or follow our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.